So, where to from here? Do we keep arguing on Facebook? Do we still forward news articles? Is it time we moved on past this whole topic of racism altogether? Have you considered any of these thoughts lately? Maybe, just maybe, you've also tried to figure out where you stand on this issue. Thanks for joining me on The Stronger Podcast, where every week we have an informal chat at the kitchen table. Injustice is uncomfortable. We have to face it in so many areas of our life. I tend to find when injustice is exposed, I often have a personal decision to make. That decision is both simple and complex at the same time. Do I pause my life and think about what I can do? Or do I turn the page and move on? I suppose the answer is all a matter of how much the issue affects us. Right now, in all parts of the world, there are gross amounts of injustice and inequality, many of which won't make our news today. It doesn't make it any less real or any less important, but it's difficult to confront something that isn't confronting you. In today's podcast, I'm having a chat with professional basketballer Jazz Martin. She's from the United States and gained a contract to play basketball in Perth. Ending her stint in the SBL a year ago, she has since continued with her passion of filmmaking. At the recent peaceful rallies in Perth, she documented what she saw from her unique perspective as an African-American woman in Australia. What has started from her country has crossed borders and made it here. Black Lives Matter has brought people together in Australia. But let's not be naive. It has also divided people as well. Some would argue that division is part of the original intent. I'm not sure it is. I could at this point start to quote this article or that article, but really, what's the point? I've wondered lately, should I read more books? Should I become better educated or study more history? And I probably should, but similar to you, we all have full lives to live despite what's transpiring around us. So, shall I ignore social issues entirely? My answer, no. When injustice confronts you, do not ignore it. Respond. We've got two ways that we can respond. One, an internal response. And two, an external response. I'll start with the external. That's an obvious one. If you see starving children, give them something to eat. If you hear of someone that is ill, call and encourage that person. Maybe donate to a cause. I know I've mentioned my dad before in my podcast and I'll probably keep doing so. Well, I think he's pretty awesome. He donates money to some sort of help rescue pandas organization, which I'm sure isn't the correct name. It wasn't complicated. He didn't like the way they were being treated and so he decided to do something about it. Pretty simple. Now, returning to that other response, the internal one. Sure, you can study, you can research, you can even argue. But as you hear this conversation today, I'd like to convey you try this. Let's attempt to relate, to understand, to feel in our hearts what people are conveying before 
we analyze and scrutinize and begin our debates. An example I'd like you to remember is, sympathy is when you put on your shoes and walk next to someone in pain, which is admirable. But empathy is when you take off your shoes and put on the shoes of the person in pain and walk in their pain. As Jazz conveys her story, it could just wash over you as, oh yeah, another story. But if you imagine it as you, it becomes personal. And maybe this isn't a political or a media or a social media issue. Maybe this is a heart issue. And we just need to be people who learn empathy. Can I be really honest with you? Like controversially honest. At the beginning of the short film that Jazz and her team produced, there is a clip of NFL player Colin Kaepernick. He created a huge amount of controversy in the United States in 2016 with his stance to kneel during the national anthem being played at the beginning of NFL games. Personally, I took offense to this. I did not agree. Even though I'm neither American, nor do I even watch more than a game or two every season, I decided from my limited understanding that I did not agree with him or his, let's call it, movement. I was entitled to my point of view. I, I still am, because that's really all it is. I was recently asked about my view on this same issue. Now, almost four years after he first kneeled, and I remembered a phrase I'd heard before. A wise man changes his mind. A fool never will. One of the unfortunate parts of any debate is that those arguing essentially cement themselves even further into their biased views. Are you one of those people who never will? Well, I don't believe you are. We can change. We can learn. We can grow. We can listen and understand and be kind. You and I may never really get it, but we can at least try. So what about the kneeling? Well, you know what? A long time ago, if you stood before royalty, it was respectful to kneel. I don't see it as disrespectful anymore. I view it now as an honorable way to communicate a message in trying times. And if standing with hand to heart is meaningful, then live true to that. This obviously has implications in so many different countries and right here in our own backyard with Australia Day, we've got things to think about. Today, as you hear this message and go about your day, I want to encourage you, maybe we should just keep it simple while we live in this complex world. Let's jump into this conversation at the kitchen table. I know you're gonna get something good from it and I'm gonna ask you to do me a favor because it helps me in getting the word out if you could hit that button on your screen that says subscribe and maybe give me a rating, five stars, and a review, that means a lot too. For other resources, check out my website. Thank you and enjoy this conversation. Jazz, it's so great to be able to chat with you. Um, I Hello, it's great to be here. I am so excited because uh, last week, Priscilla and I were sitting down and we ended up watching, well, it was kind of like a documentary, but 
it was this little video that you'd uploaded to YouTube and uh, found it so engaging and so powerful and moving as well. And I think it was really heartfelt. And so I reached out to you to be able to have a chat. And we've known each other for a little while. Um, you were the videographer for our, for our wedding. Yes, that was wonderful. I can't even th thank you guys enough for allowing me to do that, but just to capture that moment was absolutely beautiful. So yeah. I'm glad that we can continue to cultivate and know one another in various areas, so. Yeah, yeah, so it was so cool. So for those of you who haven't met you yet, I wanna introduce you. You are a professional basketball player. You're a, a filmographer, videographer. You have your own business. You create documentaries and passion projects. And also you're a world changer. You're a full-time student right now. Um, and I know that there's so much that um, is on your heart and that you want to bring to the world. Um, does that kind of sum it up a little bit? But I'd like you to introduce yourself as well. Yes. Well, first and foremost, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. This is my first face-to-face -face podcast, video cast going on. So <laughs> it's good to be here, first and foremost. And yes, that pretty much sums it up. I often think about the various hats that I wear and, um, you know, it's quite, there's quite an array going on. So I have, like mm. you said, I came out here to play basketball, but ultimately what was behind that was my passion to create and make films. And so when I came out here, I knew it wasn't just basketball. I knew there were other things that I would be taking part in. And I will say studying was not something that I thought would be a part of this journey, but God seems to have a sense of humor and have other plans. So, you know, now I'm studying to get a master of divinity and God is just continuing to allow me to learn and go deeper in his word and who he is and just grow not only just you know, spiritually, but in many different areas of my life as well. So it's been, it's been a great, it's been a great three years being out here. I will say that this is, you know, although we are in the middle of a pandemic and everything that's going on back home in the States, yeah. it has just been a life-changing experience overall. So thank you for having me and thank you for taking time to listen and hear my story. Oh, that's so good. So I want to jump into your story and I am fascinated about basketball. So it's my favorite sport. I've been watching it since I was a kid. I remember, I think I was about 12 or 13 years old and I'm pretty sure I had a dream that I played for the Indiana Pacers and Reggie Miller was my teammate. <laughs> I'm sure I passed the ball to him from the sideline. Um, but can you, tell, can you tell us um, your journey with basketball and how you've ended up becoming a professional basketball player here in Australia? Yes, yeah, so I grew up playing just with my brother and the neighbors and just having fun. And, you know, as my brother would go to practices, I would always sneak my way onto the court and try and play with the boys and hang out. And, you know, over time, I just grew a love for the game. I loved playing and it really just became a family sport. Wow. Like everyone knew the Martins for basketball. <laughs> like we really legit, everywhere we would go. Yes. Everywhere we went. So my brother played, I played and my sister played as well. And it was just the opportunities that came from it and the way that it shaped and molded us. It just, my dad always used to say basketball is a microcosm of life. So the lessons that we learned in basketball helped to prepare us for the bigger lessons of life. And so did you play high school basketball? I played since I was eight. So I played township basketball. I played middle school. I played AAU, which is like travel basketball. I played for like township leagues all over. And then high school, I played 
as well. I played high school ball and I played AAU, which is travel basketball again. And I trained five, six days a week. Wow. That was just like life and basketball was life. And during that time when I was playing, you know, I grew up in a Christian home, but basketball, I would say was my focus. And I really didn't have that one-on-one relationship with God. And so, you know, as we go on, I'll talk about that a little bit more on how, you know, you go from basketball, your sport or filmmaking being your identity to allowing Christ to be your identity. And that's kind of where I've had to journey to because, you know, I was let down in many areas of basketball, let down in many, many areas of film, like, but I had to realize that wasn't who I was, but, you know, Mm. like I said, it prepared me for what I'm doing now and kind of where I'm at in life. So, so what part of um, the US are you from? So where were you playing basketball as a high schooler? Yeah. So I played in New Jersey and yeah, I grew up um, in a, a lovely neighborhood and parents who were there, they took us to practices, they took us to games, they provided for us and, you know, just showed us to allow this sport to be a tool and an avenue for bigger things in life. So after basketball in Jersey, I ended up playing division one basketball in Connecticut, not for UConn though. (laughs) I played for a school called Quinnipiac who is doing amazing things. Um, Okay. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful to be a Bobcat. We'll be a Bobcat for life. And yeah, so I spent four years there. We won two championships and now the school has gone on to win five championships, gone to the sweet 16 and, is just continuing to build a name for itself. So it's been really great. Wow, that's fantastic. And so how did your basketball journey end up here in Australia? Um, And who do you play for? And how do we support you? How do we follow you? So actually, when I I graduated in 2015. And in 2015, I was so excited because I just thought it was going to happen. It's one of those things where you just expect things to happen. And... I'm training, I'm preparing to potentially leave September of 2015. And deals would come through and then they would fall. Deals would come through and they would fall through, come fall. And so I was just like, I was so confused. I'm like, I, you know, you think you're good enough. You think you, you have the ability to do so. And you're, you know, constantly I'm just questioning myself. Maybe, maybe I'm not going to do it. And so 20, end of 2016 comes around and I literally said, it was December, actually, end of 2016. And I was like, if nothing happens in the next month, I'm just going to give it up. You know, I'm just going to kind of see what else God has for me. I came up with this grand idea and this big plan. I'm like, all right, I'm going to work this job for two years. I'm going to stack my money. And then we're going to move out to LA and I'm going to work all these jobs and get my hours and get all these papers so that I can become this qualified filmmaker and film director. And then by year six, I'm just going to go out and make it big. And then God was like, we're going to do this right now. (laughs) So I get it all. And I give all credit to my brother. So he's always obviously looking out for me. But at the time, he's looking at doing some stuff regarding just being a basketball agent. And he has so many connects and knows so many different people. And so he knew someone who, I don't know if they played for the club that I came to out here, but they were from Australia. So she had connections and he sent my footage and my footage was sent to someone else and sent to someone else. And I remember walking into my house one night and my dad and my brother were sitting at the counter and I'm like, what, what are you guys looking at? Cause prior to that, I had, like I said, I had gotten so many offers, so many deals and they just kept falling through. They were falling through, falling through. And I walk into the kitchen 
and they're just smiling and they're like, we have the contract. Yeah. And I just fell to the ground and wow. started crying and just like, we were so excited. And <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm going to Perth, Australia, first of all. And so I go on YouTube and I look up Perth. I'm like, where's Perth? Like, <laughs> yeah, I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> things, are, <laughs> things are popping up. Like, is Perth boring? Da, 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 da. I'm like, God, where are you sending me? So I end up ultimately coming out here to Perth. I ended up last year, I actually finished my season. I played for the Joondalup Wolves okay. and had an amazing season, had an amazing time with a great group of girls. I only played for a bit of the season because obviously with um, COVID, DSBL is not happening at the moment. But who knows? Maybe I'll come out of retirement for one more year and finish off the 2021 season with a bang. So we'll see. Yeah. Wow. And so how has your interest in film intersected your basketball career yeah so regarding film I grew a like like a liking to it in high school and you know we would have class assignments and class projects and everyone else would maybe do a poster board or something you know write a paper and I would do a little film like I just found this interest in being creative in that way that's how I expressed myself so when I went to college I ended up majoring in film, video, and interactive media. And I was able to just learn and grow and, you know, do a lot of different things in that regard. And then after that, you know, working different jobs here and there, a lot of it comes from experience. So you're just ultimately trying to mm. put yourself out there. And, you know, as a young filmmaker, a lot of people don't take you serious. So it's like, how do I prove that I'm like worth it? And that goes back to my identity being in my, being a filmmaker, being a basketball player. And Ultimately, yeah. like film doesn't make me who I am and basketball doesn't make me who I am. Yeah. So ultimately, when I came out to Australia, you know, I had a little camera and I had, I had a very, I didn't have a lot of gear. Let's just say that. <laughs> and so I would, you know, meet friends and we would, I have this one friend, G, who actually was with me when we shot your wedding. And, you know, I met him at the basketball gym. I was like, I'll train you in exchange for you helping me with projects. Wow. And so you find ways to just get people involved and, That's you know, awesome. I don't want to just take, take, take. So you find a way to just balance and give. And another great friend of mine, and she was at campus one day and she's just doing a little film project. And I just randomly walk up. I was like, Hey, what are you guys doing? Didn't even know her. Didn't know anyone. Now Andrew's one of my great friends. We've done so many projects together. Mm. And so it's really just about going for it, putting yourself out there. Yeah. Wow. So your um, recent film um, that Priscilla and I watched Faces of Change. So what prompted you to produce that? And I guess what, what message were you trying to convey through that little film? Yeah. So regarding Faces of Change. Okay. So on Sunday of, so it was, May, past September, April, June, and November. So May 30th or whatever, I'm 30, <laughs> May 30th, we'll say yeah. May 30th. I was leaving my friend Nellie's house. And as I walk, like every time I walk, I play Glory. Yeah. My headphones, it just, it's such an empowering song. So I'm walking and I'm just seeing this visual of like, as I'm listening to the words starting down, you know, on yeah. my knees and my hands behind my back. And then um, when it's, you know, in the song, it says hands up and you raise your hands up and then yeah. stand up and it's just this empowerment of going to ultimate glory yeah yeah the lyrics are awesome in that oh song. it's yeah. unbelievable and i just saw this vision and i'm on the bus and like i just had this conviction and god was like you're gonna do this and so in my mind i was like okay i have to get all these people together in three weeks time i'll film this video and it'll be you know whatever god wants it to be yeah so i get home and there's a message on facebook about a black lives rally uh Black Lives Matter rally the next day. And I was like, 
well, I guess this is it. You know, I was like, the, everything is already set up and coordinated and I just have to kind of go with it. And so the next day, yeah. the day of the Black Lives Matter rally, we, not we, I called G, the guy I was telling you about. And I was like, hey, haven't talked to you in a bit. I haven't seen him since your wedding. Yeah. I was like, I haven't talked to you in a bit. Are you free? I was like, I have my gear. You can bring yours. He was like, yeah, let's do a two camera setup. He called his boy, David. We met up like five hours later and we just started recording and we went to the rally, captured it. And so when I was there, I knew I had to capture the visual that I had in my mind, Yeah. which ultimately I, you know, we ended up capturing, but then God just blew it up even further like so it's that thing of god gives you the vision and then he gives you the provision and just takes it to an entire different level and ultimately it was just it was an it was an inspired vision that turned into faces of change i had no yeah. intentions of anything besides the glory part yeah and the rest kind of just happened as i you know went into the editing suite and just started just spent 80 hours just hashing away me and my team. So G and David, they helped me shoot it. My friend Holly was there. She helped me shoot it as well. Mm-hmm. And then Guy Ikpa, he helped me to produce it. And we literally just went hours and hours. He was like, nope, do it again. Do it three more times. And like, and you know, he would just give me a direction yeah. and then I would go and it just, it, over time, it just built into what it was. And ultimately we were like, okay, we, we need to show the turmoil turmoil of what's happening mm. and then the second song is yeah. it's called preach and it's talking about okay so we see what's going on but we can't just preach we have to do something about it and so through storytelling that's how i like to share stories that's how i like yeah. to allow people to see what's going on in the world yeah i mean i i really enjoyed watching it it caught me because of the um even in the intro with kaepernick and um that conversation i think a lot of people um, who are interested in sports or maybe they have just very faintly heard about kneeling at the the games and things and um, they have an opinion about it, but maybe they haven't actually seen just even that interaction with him. I thought that was really great. And then I really enjoyed the rawness of what you captured just at the rally itself in the center of town. It was, yeah, there was just moments there of you could just see the, I guess the angst and but also the passion and there was also a sense of hope, I think. And I felt like you really captured that well. So how has this been for you? I guess a lot of what's kicking up right now um, has happened while you've been here. So what what has it been like for you as an African-American woman being in Australia looking back at what's happening in America? Yeah, I would say for me, initially I felt so helpless. I honestly was just like, what can I do? Where do I fit into this? And I feel like that was a part of Faces of Change where I was like, okay, although I'm not there, I can still shed this story and shed light on what's going on back home. But not only what's going on back home, what's going on all around the world. Like you said, here in Australia, where the Aboriginals are, have been, I mean, I've only been here for three years, but just to see what has happened through their history and kind of, how their their story is our story. They're mm-hmm. fighting for their voices to be heard. They've dealt with police brutality. They've dealt with just years and years of being in these systems that are not for them. And so I was like, I can't tell one story, not the other. Mm. And then I was like, well, then let me take it to Kenya as well, because there are people living in refugee camps who 
have nothing, you know, or let me, so, and it, it was really about getting personal and looking at even just the little snippets and the little stories that you see throughout the doco. It's, it's about people everywhere yeah. there, you know, we're all dealing with things that are going on. And so, you know, just regarding with what's going on back home with George Floyd and, you know, everything being brought to light, it's not something that's new. It's something that's yeah. been happening. The world is just sitting down and watching it all unfold, you know? And so for do the- you feel like this has been happening for as long as you can remember? Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. And I feel like it's being, oh yeah. And it's just being, it's being recorded. It's being documented. And so people are now seeing it more, but I think I was talking to a friend of mine and he was saying for the first time, the work like white America is seeing what we've seen. It took kneeling on someone's neck for nine minutes, but they're finally awake and they're finally seeing what, what we've been talking about since, you know, forever, basically. So, yeah. Wow. Wow. I, and, and that has been something that I've been trying to communicate to different people. Even when I um, was still living in the U S in St. Louis um, I mean, my home wasn't very far away from Ferguson, Missouri. So um, I, you know, I noticed that bit, which is in uh, the song Glory, where it mentions Ferguson. And um, I think a lot of people kind of maybe hear it mentioned in different songs or in articles. And I lived in this area. And so I, I saw the black and white separation. It was clear and obvious to me. Um, it wasn't when I first got there because I assumed that it was the same as Australia. I took Australian, my concept of culture, and I took it over there. And I didn't realize, I just, I wasn't, I wasn't aware that America was still like that. And so I think now that people are seeing on their screens, yeah, it is. It's, a, it's confronting and they can't ignore it, where it was kind of easy to ignore stories that you maybe faintly hear of or it's a passing mention on an article or a news segment or something like that but it's not something that you visually see and it's on in your phones in social media and so I think awareness is at a new level that's for sure most definitely I agree with all of that and you know I've never lived in the south I don't you know so I have a different experience even from someone who grew up in the deep south opposed to me growing up in the northeast. So what was it like in the northeast? So that's a that's this is a new part because America's big. So there are different parts there. Oh yeah, it's big. There the, you know, there are different parts and um there are just different levels of racism and mm. so regarding down south, you know, growing up, we'd go on vacation and my dad would have to take certain routes for us to get to South Carolina. He would go to places that were populated because he didn't want us in random little small towns that, you know, who knows what could happen. So, but those are things that most people don't have to think about, at least people who aren't of color, you know? And so growing up in where I grew up, it was, it was pretty diverse. Um, So you grew up, I had white friends, black friends, Indian friends, Asian friends. And so I got to see more of, I guess I just had a different worldview than someone who would have grown up in the South. And it's crazy just growing up and having more life experiences and meeting different people and learning their stories. And you just like, one, I recognize that I have privilege as well. I will say that, especially after traveling and seeing, like I said, the refugees in Kenya and 
just seeing the different things that are going on in the world. So I accept mm. and I, I respect that I have privilege. But ultimately, I guess with me ha- being an African-American and having brown skin, I've learned that I've had to present myself in a certain way, you know? And so I guess there, there are different things or different experiences that I've had where I have felt as though in order to be accepted or in order to be heard, you have to present yourself in this light to where you'll be accepted. And I think people are ready and tired. How did you, how did you need to be, how, how did you need to present yourself? Yeah, I, I think, you know, growing up, like I said, I grew up with my parents who raised us. Um, we, we grew up playing sports. We grew up with just a lot of community activity. And so I, I haven't had many run-ins with the police, but you know, if you do have a run-in with the police, you know, you are very respectful. You don't raise your voice and you just keep a, you know, the, a certain tone and, um, you know, even with just friendships and various things, you know, you just, I've had friends that have come and gone. And so, you know, you start off your friendship, even when you're younger, you start off your friendships and they're so innocent. And then you see a bit more life and maybe how different things happen. And, Mm. you know, things just kind of fade away because you're changing as a person, you're finding your voice and who you are. And it might, might not agree with this friend or that friend over there. So ultimately I, I found myself stepping out of this little, the quiet voice that I had, you know, cause I felt as though I just had to be shy or just kind of fit in in order to just get along with everyone, white people, black people, this person, that person. And now I'm just like, you know what, whoever God has in my life or wants to be a part of my journey, he'll have, but I'm going to speak out when things are, are wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, um, experience prejudicial treatment when it came to, you know, whether it was study or basketball or, you know, any aspirations that you've had with your film career as well? So I don't have any like blinking light moments. If anything, they've been subtle, but I've also never been one to allow that to stop me. But you know what? I think that's probably the big thing. Um, A lot of this stuff is subtle. It's not obvious. It's under the radar. Um, Very seldom will you have the obvious most of it and that's when we get into the issue of you know people are using a phrase called systemic racism so yeah that is when it's ingrained into the fabric of our culture where a lot of these things are not necessarily spoken out loud they're not verbalized they're not necessarily demonstrated publicly but they are they're subtle things and that has affected different parts of our communities and at the moment the conversation is people of color Mm -hmm. and I know for me a lot of it has just been subtle it's been under the radar and you need to you need to adjust yourself you know to be able to fit in yeah most definitely and even though like growing up you know you (laughs) my dad's gonna kill me but like The way that he would talk business compared to talking to one of his boys is completely different, you know? So it's just this thing of you constantly putting on these masks of fitting into white America, you know? Yeah. And so not, you know, and my dad is a very strong black man. Let's, you know, putting that out there. But it's just in order to thrive in business or various things, sometimes, you know, and I even have found myself, you know, you speak a certain way or you 
dress a certain way and you do this a certain way. And I feel like people are just tired of having to do things a certain way to fit a certain narrative. And it's like, no, this is who we are. This is how we're coming. And we're not doing it anymore to fit your, how you expect us to be. Yeah. We're breaking that mold. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. Um, I want to go off script a little bit. I want to ask you um, some questions and you know, there's no right or wrong answers. I just want to get your take on Black Lives Matter and um, what that means. I feel like there's a lot of argument around semantics sometimes. Mm-hmm. People get caught up on doing too much Google searching. Um, and so what does Black Lives Matter mean to you? Yeah, I think that's a great question. So regarding Black Lives Matter and that statement, I find it very interesting just regarding how, like you said, the media has kind of taken it and dismantled it and made it into this political agenda Mm. or, you know, just trying to make it something that it's not. And to me, I'm going to have one definition of Black Lives Matter, but it's interesting. Every single person has, it means something different to them. And so when I look at what Black Lives Matter is doing and what it stands for, to me, it has nothing to do with politics. It has nothing to do with money. It has to do with the voices of Black people who have been silenced for years and years and years, and people are ready to be heard. People are ready for the world to wake up, to hear what they have to say. And there's this whole, oh, well, all lives matter, this, that, and the third. And it's like, no one ever said all lives didn't matter. What we're saying is Black lives matter. And until they do matter to you, then all lives can't matter. And the whole thing with people looking at it, I guess, from a standpoint of the all lives matter perspective, when have you ever seen all lives matter rally or a march or people who say all lives matter getting behind people of color, getting behind refugees, getting behind this thing that's going on in Yemen, getting behind, you know, X, Y, and Z. It's like, no, you actually don't believe that all lives matter. That's just your defense to the people saying black lives matter. And so to me, um, I, you know, it's just very frustrating. And like you said, on social media, you have people arguing, you have people going back and forth and it's like, okay, let's get, let's get from behind Facebook and Twitter and let's actually step out and use our voices and use our platforms to make a change. Facebook is only going to continue to divide and, you know, separate people. So I've really found it interesting for me. I've just found it so empowering. I've never been to, prior to Faces of change. I had never been to a rally. I had never been to a march. And you know what? I never thought I would have to go to a rally or never have to go to a march. That's something I never thought I would have. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it, yeah. You know? And so when that happened, I was just like, you know, initially I was like, there was even just to, to say it and to feel it. You're like, why am I even saying this right now? Like, it's yeah. just like, this doesn't even feel natural. Cause why am I saying this? Why do I have to say this in 2020? But by the end, it was just so empowering. And you're just like, oh, you just, I just felt like this, this table turning of, wow, we're ready to be heard. That's what this is all about. Mm. We're ready to be heard. And like I said, to be here in Australia with the Aborigines and just hearing their stories of police brutality and, you know, the massacres that have happened over history and having their land taken. And they, they're behind this movement as well. It's not just for African-Americans, it's for people of color you know it's and to see the support from our white brothers and sisters it was amazing and ultimately that's what we're looking to get we're looking to have people come together black lives matter is not about dividing it's not about black people over here and everyone else over there it's no let's actually allow us to be included allow us to have an equal chance and an equal opportunity 
Well, I don't think, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And I also don't think that there is that much confusion with the people that actually care about this issue. Um, we're not really talking about the Black Lives Matter movement slash organization either. Um, those of us who really care about what's going on right now and the injustice that we initially saw and the injustice that we see in our community and also what we live through, um, whether it's subtly or obvious, there is no part of that discussion is, which is even remotely <laughs> thinking about an organization in the United States. I mean, when we're here in Perth saying Black Lives Matter, there is no connection to what people seem to want to argue about oh, the movement and this and that. I think they're missing the point. I think they're missing the point. Yeah, yeah. and that's what it comes down to, missing the point to continue to silence voices of color. A man by the name of Ryan Stevenson, I've been doing like a lot of research on him and I'm writing a paper on him. He runs something called the Equal Justice Initiative. And he talks a lot about the criminal justice system and just looking at how the prisons have been formed to ultimately be slavery, but in a different way. And so even here in Australia, there's ways in which these forms of slavery have just cultivated into prison systems and into various ways of being done with that subtle, that as we talked before, it's mm. with that subtle touch to make us think, oh, well, you know, the whole, oh, well, they're a criminal, they're this, they're that. That's a, a narrative and a, a voice that was given in the 60s and, well, actually early in slavery. They looked at Black people as criminals. And so as time and history goes on, we see a Black person, you people automatically get scared because this word has been attached to people of color. This word criminal has been so ingrained and dangerous. And so now we're in 2020 and we're criminals in a different light. And so now instead of being in chains, we're behind bars. Wow. Wow. That's powerful. That's really powerful. Yeah. So we see the state of play. We recognize that there has been a problem. There is a problem. And most likely that problem is going to continue. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, how do we approach this? What, what are your thoughts? <sighs> yeah, I mean, it's one of those things because you look at history and you're like, we've been doing this for so long. Like, and I remember <laughs> I, I was talking to my mentor and my good friend Carla and we're after I watched the movie Just Mercy and I was just crying and I was like, I was just so angry. I, was, I legit was angry. And I was like, what's the point of fighting? I, I, you know, I was just like, what is the mm. actual point? because nothing's changing, you know? And then she just had to calm me down and she was like, you know what? She was like, I can guarantee you that your great, great grandmother or someone from a hundred years would have never thought you would be sitting where you are today. She was like, and because of that, you can't stop fighting. She was like, you're never going to see true justice at this point. She's like, you see the trickles of it, but we're never going to actually see that full justice that we want. Cause something's always, you know, we, we yeah. live in a broken and simple world. So something's yeah. always going to be happening, happening. But we're fighting for the future generations. We're not going to see it now, but in 100 years' time, 200 years' time, when we're long gone, they're going to be like, wow, look at what they did. And then we'll inspire them to continue to do something. So I think it's about just continuing to use our voices and our platforms to make a change and to be the difference, not waiting. We, we can't continue to wait for that it person to just step out and just 
do something? Why don't we become those people? How about that? Why don't we become the change? You and I have the same choice today. Shall we confront what is confronting us with understanding or shall we turn the page? Injustice in its varied forms will always exist, but where we can respond internally with empathy and externally with kindness, I think we should do it. Thank you so much for joining me today at the kitchen table. If you like today's podcast, let me know on social media and share this with someone today. To read articles or listen to other episodes, jump on to jeremiahjacob.com and remember, you're stronger than you think. <laughs>